0: Guess what we're going to be talking about today? Close. So we're in the Gospel of John, and uh, we're preaching through each chapter leading up to Resurrection Sunday and then after. And we're going through the whole book of John. And this week, we're going to talk about chapters 13 and 14. And you're probably thinking about some of the songs that we've sang and the one that was just shared with us you know, just a minute ago, and uh, wondering how that all fits together. Uh, you see John writes about jesus final week here on earth from kind of a different point of view than you're going to read in the other gospels. it doesn't make him wrong it doesn't make him uh, he 's he's not trying to to, to to break a mold or, or do anything he's just writing it from a perspective of in my opinion, his relationship with Jesus. He's writing it just a little bit differently. And here in John chapter 13, we find Jesus and the disciples in the upper room. They're having their final dinner. And we, uh, a churchy word for that, as they have this final dinner together, we've come to call that the Last Supper. And, uh, and so that's, that's what we refer to it as. It's an example that we use as we look back at our time of communion. We. we Remember the Last Supper, a lot of times you'll hear someone say, uh, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he, he took bread and he broke it and he, he took the wine and he shared it. And, and so this, this time is, is the example that we follow when we have communion with one another and with God uh, every Sunday. And now I've titled this message, Communion Restored. And you're probably wondering, what does washing feet have to do with communion? <laughs> well, Stay with me because I made the connection Uh, There are a couple of things I'd like for you to consider as you hear the message today. One of them is that John starts writing his story about his best friend. Remember way back at the beginning, John chapter 1, verse 1. John says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. This is before creation. The beginning he's talking about is before creation. Which means that Jesus was also there with Adam and Eve which is just shortly after creation, means that Jesus, uh, as God walked in the garden with them, Jesus was there. He was there to witness the sin of Adam and Eve, where they ate the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You see, it was in the beginning when Adam and Eve broke their personal communion with God. It was in the beginning when God said that because of this sin, we would be separate from him. It was because of this sin that God himself made the first blood sacrifice by giving Adam and Eve the skin of animals to cover themselves, showing that sin must be covered or paid for by blood. And then through men like Noah and Abraham and Moses, the sacrificial system that was required to continually reconnect us to God was established and was practiced for many years. In many places, in many lands, in many different circumstances. They they we've practiced it in slavery. They still practice these things. And here in this upper room, Jesus is having a meal with his disciples, and he needs them to really understand what he has come for, is not to overthrow a government or, or to call men to arms. Jesus knowing full well that his time had come to be glorified and to glorify God, also knew that it was time to restore our communion with God. You see, Jesus knew after he was glorified, after he was on the cross, after he was buried, after he was raised from the dead, after he was sacrificed, he would know that we would no longer need the blood of goats and lambs to have communion with God. Jesus knew that because of his actions, we would have full access to the one who was there in the beginning and that because of his sacrifice, we would now once again have full access to our Creator God, who has always been and who always will be. He created us in his image. And it's with this knowledge that Jesus got up from the meal. The Bible says he took off his outer garments. And you can read this in John chapter 13. Verses 1-17, he took off his outer garments and he tied a towel around his waist. This is the creator of the universe. There, in the beginning, took off his towel and tied it around his waist. He poured water into a basin. And he went from person to person and he began to wash his disciples' feet. And then he dried them with a the towel that he was wearing. And he did this for all the disciples. But the unique thing is he came to Simon Peter. Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, You don't know what I'm doing now, but you will understand this later. And Peter said, you will never wash my feet. Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. I love Simon Peter. He's like, oh, well, in that case, Lord, not just wash my hands and my head, wash all of me. No, Jesus said, someone who is bathed only needs to have his feet washed. But is completely clean. You are clean. Uh, But not all of you. You see, Jesus knew full well that Judas would soon betray him. That's why he said, you're not all clean. Now picture this for a second. And, and if you're like me, sometimes I, I need to close my eyes. And I'm, I'm reading this story and I'm, and I'm listening to it on, on the Bible app. I listen to this story a lot. And as I'm listening to it, I close my eyes. I'm trying to picture this. Our, our Jesus, our, our, according to John, our in the beginning was the word... The word was with God. The word was God. The word was with him. Our in the beginning creator, Lord, Savior, is on his knees. Going from from one person to the next. Pouring out water, washing their feet and drying them off with the towel that he's wearing. And he's explaining to them while he's doing it what he is doing. You see, that's what my Jesus does. He gets down where we are and he redirects us to where we should be. This is not about the disciples having dusty, dirty feet from a long day of walking around. This this is about Jesus making sure that they don't have dusty, dirty hearts. He is preparing them for the time when communion will be restored between his Father the Creator and his friends the created. So when he had washed their feet, the Bible says he stood up Put on his his outer garment. Put on his outer garment. I'll get that. And he sat down again. And then he asked him a question. He said, do you know what I've done to you? I kind of wish that John would have left that open for some of them to answer. I'd like to know what Thomas and Philip and some of these guys, I'd like to know their answer. But he, he doesn't. And Jesus goes on. He says, you call me teacher. And you call me Lord. And you are correct in saying this because I am. So if I, the Lord, and the teacher have washed your feet, you should also desire to go and wash one another's feet. I have given you an example. And you should do for others as I have done to you here tonight. Most certainly I tell you, remember this. A servant is not greater than his master. Neither is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, here it is. If you know these things, blessed are you if you go and do them. You see, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And then he said to them, one of my favorite words. He said, go and do likewise. This is about so much more than feet. This this is about serving. This is about discipleship. This is about teaching. And most importantly, this is about love. Not your typical boyfriend, girlfriend, love, puppy love. Not that kind of gooey love. It's not even about like phileo, which is like our brotherly love. It's not that. This is about agape love. Jesus is telling his disciples to love one another and others the same way that God loves us. And then he says this. He actually says this to them just after he washes their feet. Look in your Bibles at John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35. Jesus says to his disciples, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. That's the easy part. The second verse is the hard part. Because Jesus says to them, say this with me, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. <laughs> hey, look around real quick. Look at the people next to you. Look at them. Look at them. Lindsay, quit staring at me. Look, look, at, look at Bradley. Look around. Look at them. Do you love them? Do you even know them? Do you love them even though you know them? That's, that's the hard one right there. That's the kicker. I everyone. That's right. All right? That's hard. But Jesus says this commandment, he just washed their feet. He said, Go and do what I've done. Go and serve, go and go and teach, go and decide, go and love. And he says, not only that, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another by this, by your love. All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus tells them and us that we should love one another. He doesn't say we should judge one another. Oh, man, (laughs) I'm good at that one. (laughs) That one's easy. No, he says we have to love one another. He doesn't say we should accuse one another. Hey, you know what you did? Yeah, but you know what they did? No, he doesn't he doesn't say we should he said we should love one another. He doesn't say we should expose one another's weakness. Excuse me. Or their age. <laughs> I got it for you, Larry. You don't expose things like that. I got a jar of honey in the car. That's right. We're to love even the old people, Scott. <laughs> love. Not accuse, not not any of these things, not not judge, not expose a weakness. He said we should love one another. Because when we truly love one another, I think that's a step to restoring that communion with God. You see, God says in his word, "Don't bring me a gift or an offering." If you have an issue with your brother. That's how important this whole loving one another thing is to God. Don't bring your offering or your gift if you have an issue with your brother. He says, don't have communion with me if you have an issue with a brother or sister in Christ. Actually, Paul wrote this to the Corinthian church. Okay? And he said to them, So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That's 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven. Listen, it's easy to take this Uh, as referring generally to our personal sinfulness. Oh, I I have to be right and and I have to straighten myself out to to take communion in a rightful way, in a a good manner, in a, a worthy manner. But listen, in context, what's happening here, when you read the letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he's been talking to them about their relationships. He's been criticizing them because of divisions that were happening within the church. This was not a happy church. When he wrote this, the Corinthian church was not a happy church. And so when he talks about bringing judgment on themselves because they're not discerning the body of Christ, it's, it's not the bread of communion he's talking about, but the church. He says, hey, when you're angry, when you're jealous, when you're neglectful, when you're not loving towards a fellow Christian and, and you leave these things unresolved at communion, we're eating and drinking in an unworthy manner. Jesus has shown us what he desires for us. And he is preparing to give his life so that we may have communion restored with God the Father. Let's not cheapen this act and his examples by not loving one another well. And then John continues to write about Jesus in chapter 14. He explains to the disciples, Jesus says to them, hey, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And again, I'm just kind of skipping the rock here so... It's on you to, to dig deep and, and to root into this because there's some good stuff here. But he, he goes on in chapter 14 and Jesus says to them, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He also explains to them, he says, I'm going to leave you soon, but I will send the Holy Spirit to them. He a counselor. Uh, and early on in chapter 14, the disciples are asking Jesus. They're saying, hey, show us the Father. Thomas says it. Philip says And Jesus says to them, I and the Father are one. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Hey, as a matter of fact, Thomas, Philip, are you paying attention? Because not only have you seen the Father, the Father just finished washing your feet. And asking you to go and love and serve others in the same way. And and again, my mind opens up to some of these things, but as he reminds them again of what he said to them. In John chapter 14, verses 15 through 31, just after he washed their feet, he starts back off right there. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And he just told them, a new commandment I give you, right? Love one another by your love. Everyone will know. Okay, so so stay with me. Good. He says, "Uh, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. this, This is what we're talking about. To be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He continues on. He says in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You also will live in that day. You will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments, what's the commandment? Boom. Hey, Paul, I'm going to put a pin in that real quick. That was our Sunday school lesson. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. All right. Well done. All right. But <laughs> commandment was love one another. All right. And, and even and, and, and this is not Jesus changing his mind, because when they asked him what the greatest commandment was, he said, love the Lord your, your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbors yourself. So he's not changing his mind. He's just saying it differently to make sure that they all understand. I really think he's saying it differently to make sure that we all understand. OK, so he says, love one another. Where are we at? Who whoever has my commandments and keeps them? He it is who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot. John's like letting you know. He he left. He went to do his thing. There's another Judas. He said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine but the fathers who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I have said to you. In verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say I was going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. I love what Jesus is saying here. He says... the rule of the world is coming, he has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Man, I could preach for the next hour. Oh, y'all don't say that now. You asked for it. (laughs) Turn this off. Look, Jesus is continuing to remind the disciples who he is and who he belongs to. And he also continues to remind them of what will come. Why is he so focused on them? He is about to begin his shadowy journey to the cross. And he wants his disciples to be comforted before it even happens. He's told Peter, you will deny me, but I I will still wash your feet. You You will defy me. But I'm still going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he says in verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. He's taken the time in this upper room, this, this setting of the Last Supper, to remind his disciples where he came from. He came from God. And where he is going, he's going back to God. He's taken this time to prepare them for the time for communion to be restored between both them and God the Father so they can pass it down to us. He's taken this time to tell his betrayers and his deniers, no matter what comes in the next few days, peace, I leave with you. Jesus' friend John is once again showing us a very human of Jesus, while showing us his eternal side as well. My peace I give to you, he says, not as the world gives peace. I know what's coming. Let not your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. I have come to restore my friends and their relationship with my Father. Oh, man. Jesus says, no matter what you see, no matter what you hear, know this. We love you. My father loves you enough to ask me to be the final blood sacrifice for the sins of all mankind. And you know what? He says, I love you enough to walk into the shadow of death and submit to his plan that will restore this communion that was broken. The question is, and this is what he asks his disciples, do you love me enough to go and love others as I and the father have always loved you? Do you love me enough, Peter, to go and serve others how I have served you? Do you love me enough, Philip, to go and teach others what I have taught you? Man, Peter just thought he was getting his feet washed. Brothers and sisters, when we allow Jesus to truly restore our communion with God the Father, it's so much more than than this foot washing that took place. It's really a heart scrubbing, if you will. It's a total life change. When Jesus first called some of his disciples, he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And it sounds so simple on the surface, but folks, when we choose to follow Jesus, we also choose to be changed by Jesus. And when we choose to be changed by Jesus, we choose to be on mission with Jesus. We choose to change our spiritual lifestyle. And when we choose to follow Jesus, we grow from a spiritual infant to a toddler, to a spiritual child, to a teenager, to a young adult, and through studying his word, being involved in like CPR groups and learning how to tell his story by entering into intentional relationships and discipling and mentoring, we become spiritual parents. It doesn't matter where you are in that. It's okay if you're a spiritual child or a spiritual adolescent or a spiritual teenager or a spiritual parent. Everybody is going to grow at different phases, spiritually speaking, but when we become spiritual parents, like the disciples, they may have started out as fishermen and tax collectors and, and a doctor. Ooh, I'm a doctor, I'm Luke. He still started as a spiritual infant when Jesus said to him, Follow me, Luke. They all started in the same place. He's preparing, as Jesus is preparing for the cross, he is leaving these men as spiritual parents. And this is when Jesus says to them, go and do likewise. When you read chapter 14, he says, don't worry about it. My spirit's going to come and remind you of everything I've taught you so that you guys can pass it on. Brothers and sisters, if you consider yourself a spiritually mature Christian, my question for you is, have, have you been changed by Jesus? Are you going and doing likewise? Are you serving others? Are you teaching others? Are you loving others? Are you a spiritual infant or a child or a teenager? Are you looking for a spiritually mature person to disciple you and mentor you and help you to continue on that path of restored communion that Jesus has set up for us? Or are you trying to do it all on your own? That's that's where some of them fell short. can't do it all on our own. Jesus set the best example. He spent roughly three years with 12 men and his final act was to restore their communion with the Father because he knew that he was going to be the final sacrifice for our sins. And he showed the disciples what they needed to do and what they needed to carry on and they have shown us in God's Word. John has shown us by writing about his best friend Jesus who came to live among us to restore our relationship with the Father. So the final question for today is, what will you do with this truth? As we come to our response time this morning, however you need to respond to God's word, please do. If you'd like to pray with the elders about what it looks like for you to to grow into spiritual maturity there, here they'd love to pray with you this morning. Maybe for you, you want to start that journey by saying, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be changed by Jesus. I want to be on mission with Jesus. The first step is to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ through baptism for the forgiveness of your sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, to rise and walk in that, that newness of life as a spiritual infant. And listen, we won't leave you alone as an infant. We'll walk alongside you as you grow. Whatever your response is this morning, will you stand and sing our response song with us and respond to God's word accordingly? Amen. It, uh, it's been great to be here with you all today. To challenge you with God's word. But now it's time to go to win and commit to grow. As you go this week, look for someone that you can share this story with who, who knows, you may win them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And as you commit to grow, I pray that you'll read over John chapter 13 and 14, because there's so much that John shares with us in these two chapters. If we do these things that John shares with us, I think we will be a better reflection of Jesus in our community. We'll be a a reflection of John fourteen thirty one, when Jesus said, I do as the father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the father. As you go, may the world know that you love the father. And then Jesus said it best when he said, rise, let us go from here. Will you sing this last song with us?